When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Here's what's cooking on the day's Sports Stove Podcast. Arch Manning announces his move to Texas. we got other recruiting news in the NCAA. Deshaun Watson is coming up on possibly hearing his punishment. We'll talk about that and other NFL news. NBA draft thoughts. Does pedigree matter? Major League Baseball and news going on there. Stanley Cup and maybe even a little NASCAR. That's what's cooking on the day's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to an all-new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast. We are live on YouTube and Facebook. And, of course, you might be listening to us later. So thank you for listening to us on any podcast platform that you're listening and also Belly Up TV. Today, our episode is presented by In The Clutch. In The Clutch provides um, officially licensed apparels for our Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball Players Association, NFL, NHL, NBA, all kinds of other things. Some awesome t-shirts available there on intheclutch.com. Use the code SPORTSSTOVE. We'll give you 10% off your first purchase. Welcome into another episode. Dad is with me again today. Dad, how you doing? Doing good. Doing good. Great to be here. Uh, lots of stuff going on, even though it's kind of a dead time of year when it comes to sports. The NBA is done. The draft is over. NHL is maybe one game away. We'll get to that in a moment. Uh, the NFL is kind of in that lull moment as well. The camps will start up here pretty soon on them. College sports are dead at the moment. Basically down to baseball, a little bit of hockey, golf, and NASCAR. That's about it. So so what are you doing to fulfill your sports fix here in late June? Um, well, a lot of it, like I said, I'm keeping up a little bit with the NFL is <clears throat> in a dead period right now, but um, just kind of keeping up on reports from that and starting to work on fantasy football a little bit. And, um, you know, I, I, again, I've enjoyed the baseball playoffs and the college. And, um, of course, that's just about down to the end now, too. And um, so trying to keep up with the Giants probably in baseball and and things will continue to pick up. Like I said, we're going to discuss some things that probably will come up this week about the NFL and and news will keep coming up. Yeah, fantasy baseball, of course, uh, full full blown in season right now uh, as well. So a lot of things happen. Let's start with the NCAA, Dan. 
Arch Manning makes his decision, makes his announcement that he is headed to uh, the University of Texas. And uh, the Hook'em Horns pretty excited about landing a second big-time quarterback in in just this last, uh, what, six months or so, I guess. Yes. Yeah. I just, like said, I, you know, it's probably good that he made his decision now to help him maybe next year and his last year, but it, you know, it's interesting. And I heard it said, and it's true. It's still a long time between now and when he plays for Texas. So a lot, a lot can happen. I think Texas has had good recruiting. I think this coach seems to have things going in the right direction. Um, but you know, I'm sure there's pressure on them. You know, how will everything go this year, and, and will that still be the best decision for Arch Manning? And he should make a you know a, a big difference in a lot of ways. Should make a big difference on the field. He'll make a big difference um, with credibility and a lot. Yeah, it is interesting with the quarterback from Ohio State, yours. It's gone there. Be interesting to see how he does this year. You know, what if he came out and was phenomenal? So. Um, but again, you know, um, I, I remember when um, when Peyton, you know, went to Texas to Tennessee. There was another highly ranked quarterback went with him too, and that guy never got to play and transferred. And so, but you know, uh, those things can happen. Um, but it was an interesting process, and I get an interesting choice there in Texas. I can see you know you had said that makes a lot of sense, and um, it probably does. He can make you know uh, quite a legend there, and um, so uh, that was an interesting decision. I didn't have time to go back and find the audio from the past podcast we talked about it uh, several uh, weeks, months ago now. But yeah, I think it's a great fit. I think it's very similar to what Peyton did at Tennessee. Um, he goes away from Ole Miss, which is where his dad and obviously his grandfather and his uncle all played. Eli played there. And he goes to a place that has a history of great football, has a history of being a, a great football program, has a ton of support from the fan base. And he gets a chance to kind of do his own thing while at the same time doing similar things as what his uncle Peyton did at Tennessee. I, I think the opportunity to go, you know, remember Peyton did not win a national championship in Tennessee. Uh, they could not get past Florida. It was the year after Peyton left that T. Martin won the championship. But he got Tennessee at that level where they could get all the other recruits in, the, the top wide receivers, top defensive players in, so that even when he was there and the year after he was gone, uh, really, the last time Tennessee was truly relevant, it seems like 1998, um, when T. Martin won the championship. But Arch has that opportunity to do the same thing at Texas. Now that he's there, even though they already had some big recruits, now that Arch is there, you're talking about receivers are going to want to go there because let alone the opportunity to play with Arch, but the publicity is going to be great there. Plus, you already got the money situation. I'm sure there's lots of NIL money at Texas. Um, you got some good things going. Sarkeesian is known uh, as a as a good offensive coach, especially. So there's a lot of things that are positive there. Quinn Ewers is the one question mark, right? Um, is he good enough to beat out Quinn Ewers? The things that I've heard about Quinn Ewers, he's got a lot of talent, but it doesn't sound like he's polished. And Arch is going to come in and be polished. Now, will he redshirt? Maybe. But either way, I think Arch, from what I, from at least from what I've read and heard, I think Arch is going to come in and be able to beat out Quinn Ewers whenever they're ready for him to. So uh, Ewers is good. Maybe he ends up transferring again before it's all said and done. But obviously he'll get a shot this season to prove his worth to Texas. And now that he's been out of high school, this will be his second year out of high school. So what, I guess, um, 
and after two seasons, he can leave uh, after junior year, right? He could leave for the pros. So Ewers could play this year and next year and then be gone. And then that brings Arch Manning in for, for his time, right? Yep. No, that, that's very true. It'll be interesting to see how that works. Yeah, for sure. Uh, other recruiting news in basketball, Kentucky gets a uh, huge commit, uh, 6-1 guard that comes in. Arkansas gets a four-star kid. That's a pretty good good recruit as well, committed. But, Dad, I'd be uh, remiss if I did not bring up Eastern Kentucky University, the school that I cover. They've got a top 60 class right now in basketball for this coming season. They are higher or higher-ranked recruiting class than Gonzaga and Arizona. Three different SEC teams are below them as well. They bring in a four-star kid from Indianapolis out of high school, a three-star kid from Indianapolis out of high school. Uh, Mr. Kentucky or Mr. Basketball in Kentucky uh, as well comes in in this class. They bring in the top JUCO kid. They got quite the athletes coming into this class. So I want to just give a shout out to A.W. Hamilton. Congrats on the class and good luck moving forward because as we – we know when we've seen that with Kentucky, just because your recruiting class is great doesn't mean your team is going to be great. So uh, good luck moving forward, though, to Coach Hamilton. We'll talk to him as we get closer to basketball season on our local hour episodes uh, there. And, Dad, while we're talking local hour, we made the announcement Saturday on Lexington Radio, but uh, the sports stove is going live. We'll be live on home game days for EKU doing a pregame show at Mad Mushroom Pizza just down the road from Eastern Kentucky University. And uh, most of those shows will begin at noon, uh, but we'll announce those as we get closer to them. So excited uh, to have Mad Mushroom joining us as a sponsor for the local hour this year, and then also to open up their doors to allow us to come in as the university uh, did not allow us to come in and do the show live on in the parking lot. But uh, I understand they're very kind about it. I'm not bashing EKU. Um, but nonetheless, uh, unable to do it live in the parking lot. So uh, Mad Mushroom Pizza is where we're headed. So come get lunch with us on home game days at EKU if you're in Richmond, Kentucky. All right, Dad, let's move to the NFL. And it looks like we've had some a movement in the Deshaun Watson situation. He settled with all but four of his people, and now they're meeting on Tuesday to start a disciplinary meetings to figure out what the suspension is going to be. How far away are you, do you think we are from hearing how long he's suspended? Well, as far as from what I've heard of the process, we're still a little ways away from what I understand. Um, this one judge, I think from Delaware, will kind of uh, hear everything, make a decision. Then there'll be appeals and the commissioner, I think, can finally adjust things also at the end of that, if I, if I heard everything right. So I think we'll get movement, and depending on what the first judgment is, we may know kind of the direction um, that it's headed. Um, I would think the commissioner would, in, in his final step, would come closer maybe to um, – lengthening the penalty rather than shortening it there. I think the appeal process and stuff with the Players Association is where they will appeal there. It'll be interesting to see if there's any traction comes um, as far as comparisons with the owners. You know, again, we've talked about that, and there's been a lot said about, you know, the owners haven't been um, penalized for situations that are in, in, in the same area. Um, and that's going to be a big pushing point. It'd be interesting to see if something does happen to owners or if Deshaun Watson 
um, gets a little less of a penalty because of that. But uh, it is good to see they're going to meet this week, start to get some traction there. And it'd be interesting from what I've read on this judge's decision, made, made a lot of big decisions, not a lot in the sports arena. So um, I think she's looking at it from strictly a legal standpoint. It'd be interesting. Yeah, I agree. You know, you keep hearing the season-long suspension is what they're going for. I would be a little surprised if that would hold um, the way everything works. So let's give your prediction. We get prediction for wins. We get predictions for um, MVPs. We get predictions for all these things. Let's predict a suspension for Deshaun Watson. Um, Not what you think it should be, but what you think it will be uh, at the end of the day, after the appeals and after everything changes. How many games do you think Deshaun Watson misses due to suspension? Um. I would think I'd go with half a season, nine games. Yeah, I'm going 10. Uh, I kind of go back and forth between eight and 10, but I'm assuming if they're going to say a year and then the appeals happen, um, I don't think it gets, I don't think it gets cut in half, but 10 is close obviously to half. So I don't know, but I'm going to go 10 games uh, and uh, we'll see. We'll see how that one shakes out. I'm not sure. Sure. Yet. Uh, Cleveland is still um, uh, odds wise above Cincinnati. So you got Baltimore and Cleveland uh, have higher odds or lower odds. Everyone look at it, better odds of winning the North than Cincinnati does. And that surprises me just knowing that there's going to be some sort of suspension in Cleveland. You would think Cincinnati, even without the suspension, you think Cincinnati should be, you know, at least second in the North. Um, I think they're going to finish first in the North again. Uh, but Baltimore should be good again. Cleveland's going to be out of quarterback. Pittsburgh's going to be, you know, what are they doing this year? So I don't know. Which way do you lean with that? I mean, are you surprised that they're considered third place in odds right now? Yeah. As far as anybody that's serious about it, yes, I I am. I mean, you know, people always like to make conversation and to make stories. But I think with Cincinnati, they've only gotten better um, in the off season. So I don't see how you can't start out with them being the favorite in the division. Now, maybe a few games in, it'll be different. Um, you know, we get to mid season and see where the standings are, but I, I mean, I, I'm shocked. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I mean, I think that's just kind of creating controversy because I, I don't see how you can not start out with them the favorite, especially with the additions they made in the offseason. They didn't just sit there and say, hey, we're a good team. They, I think they've really tried to improve, and they probably have. Yeah, I mean, you look at Baltimore, the, the big advantage for them is a healthy Lamar Jackson. Um, but remember, they also traded away Hollywood Brown this year, so they may have gotten worse <laughs> to some degree. We'll see about that. I had to. I was looking at my keepers for our keeper league and fantasy football, and Mark Andrews is one of my tight ends. I got him and Darren Waller and trying to decide which one I wanted to keep. And originally, I almost switched to Waller, but I thought, you know what? Who else is Lamar Jackson going to throw it to? <laughs> it's going to be Mark Andrews. It's going to be Rashad Bateman. And that's pretty much – that's who he's got. So um, I think Cincinnati finishes first in the, in the division. I think Baltimore's better than last year. And I don't know that Cleveland can survive not having a superstar quarterback uh, that they're probably not going to have for several, several weeks at the very least. Um, speaking of discipline, Daniel Snyder uh, and the whole situation with the Washington Commanders, there's been a lot of talk about what should be done and what's the right thing to do and those sorts of things there. 
Uh, is Daniel Snyder, should he be allowed to still own his football team? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I think what the problems have caused now, again, you know, the NFL, you know, there's a lot of history there. And, um, I, you know, I think with the owners, um, I would assume there's concern, you know, <laughs> that if we start searching into everybody here and, you know, everything that's happened, um, maybe there's something there. It'd be interesting to see, cause I would think they would get enough owners, um, to vote him out because I think the general consensus would be he should be out. And I think public opinion, you know, that would rank high. So um, it'll be interesting if, if they do call for a vote. One, if the commissioner calls for a vote, I guess that's how it would have to go. And then to see um, how everyone, you know, I, I would think there'd be a chance he would get voted out. And I think with the problems there, I think it'd be much better for the football team to get this behind them. Um, I think they have potential to have a good season. And this is just really going to hang all year, if it, you know, depending if something definitive is not decided. The Denver Broncos recently sold for $4.2 billion. Uh, so if you're going to discipline Daniel Snyder and say you have to sell the team, he's going to do to make at least $4.2 billion. You would assume it would be in that range, possibly more. Um, so not much of a punishment <laughs> other than you don't get to be involved with the NFL anymore uh, for Daniel Snyder. If that happens to be the case as well, we'll continue to see what goes on there with him. Uh, sad news this past week, the announce uh, the, the announcement that Tony Saragusa passed away uh, remember him as a defensive tackle in the league, also uh, maybe even more so in my lifetime as a commentator, kind of adding to the broadcast there in Fox. He's a, uh, I think it was Fox, maybe it was CBS. Now now that I say it, I'm, I'm afraid I said it wrong. But uh, Tony Saragusa, he was a character. He was a fun guy to have on the television. He was a great football player as well. Uh, one of the, you know, the big, big guys in the NFL, fill in the middle. Uh, there as well, but sad to hear of his passing. And um, I heard someone talking this week about how the fact that he kind of changed a little bit of way games were broadcasted, having Goose down there and kind of just a different kind of personality on the sideline versus the traditional, you know, female or other sideline reporter, things like that kind of changed, at least opened the door maybe for some other people as well. But any thoughts on Tony Saragusa? Well, you know, he was a great nose tackle. And when you talk about, you know, people that were had an impact of nose tackle, I think his name, you know, always come up as I've heard, you know, about him and the stories too. I think, you know, he was a great personality. He seemed like he was, you know, great in the locker room. People loved him. And um, I think you're right. You know, I, I, to me, one of the highlights was him on the broadcast. And I think it was a matter of the network using, you know, his personality. Um, you know, when you talk about sideline reporters, you know, they're going to ask questions. Do you really get any information that's really earth shaking or whatever? Well, having Goose down in the end zone and Lambeau Field and telling you about the temperature and having his fuzzy hat on and everything, you know, the fans were right there behind him and they were always involved in everything and every stadium he was at. Uh, he, he, you know, he definitely added with the idea of adding personality, I think a lot like John Madden did, only of course Madden was a greater extent, but uh, adding personalities 
um, you know, to broadcast in football, which I think people, people, you know, I, we watch the game to see the game, see who's going to win, see if our team's going to win. But as far as enjoying it, um, you know, if you've got an announcer or somebody on the sidelines or somebody in, um, in the studio that's a real, you know, entertainer, then that adds to it. And Saragusa was that. One of the things that was brought up when talking about his personality was Rob Gronkowski. And uh, is there a chance that CBS goes out and gets Rob Gronkowski to be the sideline reporter for Tom Brady uh, as Tom Brady's calling calling games sometime in the next 20 years? I don't know when, when Brady's going to retire and go to the TV booth. But um, is there a chance that uh, that we see Tom Brady move, not on just to the booth, but or not, it's not CBS. Where's he going? Um uh, yeah, it was CBS. Um, now that I say it again, I feel like it's wrong. No, Romo's at CBS, so it'd be Fox. Fox, uh, Fox yeah. Uh, is there a chance that Gronkowski gets hired by Fox to do the sideline with Tom Brady up in the booth? Um, I I mean, I think there would be interest in trying to combine them together, but Gronkowski's going to start this year. It'll be interesting to see how they use Gronkowski because he, he is quite the personality. He's already on all kinds of commercials. Um, I don't think it, it would be the same thing like Tony Saragusa was. Um, I, I think I think um, in some ways Gronkowski's much more outgoing or has more potential as far as in front of the camera is concerned. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if someone does hire him right away, he could maybe not do football this year and then be waiting on Tom Brady and there could be some kind of combination there, even though they probably wouldn't be in the booth together. Um, it'd be interesting, you know, Gronkowski, you know, is, is very well known now outside of football circles, I think, with the commercials and things like that. And it's going to be interesting to see as they start to hire these players. Um, you know, I've been interesting to me as I've listened to, to talk show people. Um, one of them especially is very quick to try to discredit any player from having the ability to be a broadcaster. You know, well, they, you know, it's just, it's just not that easy, you know, in the same way with a coach. You know, it really takes a lot of work. You've got to be dedicated, you know, to everything. You've got to be dedicated to your career to do this. And, seem, you know, and they always end up by saying, now, hey, he may be great. That will be fine. But, um, you know, I, so I, I, I think Gronkowski is a gold mine for somebody to work with because, um, you know, as long as he stays out of trouble, which I would think he is, I mean, you know, he's fun-loving. And so I think they'll incorporate that um, some way there. And whether it's, you know, studio, whether it's at a stadium, um, you know, maybe they'll, maybe somebody would invent kind of a new spot. Like you said, Saragusa, that was something new. Nobody would really done that. He wasn't a sideline reporter. Maybe something new will come up, you know. All the networks are doing that, they're, or they're working at it, just like Peyton and Eli. That was brand new, the idea of the Manning cast. So I would think Kronk, Gronkowski, and, of course, he's good friends with Peyton and that. He's been, he was very successful on the Manning cast, from what I understand. So um, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how they use him. Yeah, let's see who he gets, who he gets uh, if he gets picked up by anybody. Of course, he has other options. He can do other entertainment things on television. doesn't even have to do football stuff if he doesn't want to. It just makes sense, I think, with the way that he gets along with Brady. For them to be on the same broadcast would make make sense because then they could travel together. They could, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and it would be interesting to see at the very least as well. 
Um, you know, you talk about people saying it's so hard. Uh, to me, it's yes, you got to put in the work. Yes, you'll you'll get shown if you're not putting in the work. But it's all about personality. If you got the personality for it, you'll be fine. You can make it. And if you don't have the personality for it, then you won't make it. Even if you're good at it, uh, you got to have personality. That's what people care about more than anything at this moment, I think, as well. So we'll see how that how all that shakes out as well. All right. Any other NFL topics you want to hit before we move on? Uh, no. When we did talk about the Ravens, one thing I was thinking of, though, to keep in mind is would, as far as them improving, would be J.K. Dobbins. Supposedly, he's supposed to return, and that would make a big difference. Boy, going into last year thinking they were going to have him, they really used him as a weapon the last year they had him. And if he would come back in full health, and I've read where they hope to get him back by training camp, um, that that would make a – and you talk about another weapon, um, you know, for Lamar Jackson – Dobbins, Dobbins would really add something there. I still think Cincinnati's the team to beat, but um, but you know Dobbins coming back would be pretty big, I think. Yeah, it's true. It's a good point. I forgot about Dobbins' injury. Uh, him coming back would definitely help Baltimore. Lamar Jackson being health, healthy obviously helps Baltimore, um, but I still am not sure if they've got what it takes to overtake Cincinnati in that division. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk NBA draft thoughts right after these short messages. InTheClutch.com, the newest sponsors of the Sports Stove podcast, and we are excited to partner with InTheClutch.com. They have officially licensed apparel and accessories for your favorite sports teams and athletes. Use code SPORTSSTOVE and get 10% off your first purchase. You can find shirts like I Still Own You from Green Bay Packers. Are we talking about practice? All kinds of great shirts in baseball, football, hockey, and basketball. Officially licensed apparel from InTheClutch.com. Again, use the code SPORTSSTOVE to get 10% off your purchase. Welcome back into the Sports Stove Podcast. If you're just tuning in and missing any part of the show, I want to make sure to let you know you can go back and listen to the show in its entirety. Wherever you get your podcast, the show will be out Monday morning and available to you there. I also want to let you know about Elementor. Get Elementor, the ultimate WordPress website builder with live drag-and-drop editor. You can build and customize every part of your website with zero coding required. Elementor is your all-inclusive solution for your website. Create, manage, and host your website through Elementor. Use the exclusive Sports Stove link in the episode notes on YouTube or whichever podcast platform you're listening to us on to get more information on how Elementor can help you have the best website possible. NBA draft was last week on Thursday, this past week on Thursday, uh, Paulo Banchero goes number one to Orlando. A little bit of a surprise there, but ultimately the top three players were the top three players when it's all said and done. Um, not a not a ton of excitement, I guess, in the draft. Not a whole lot of uh, the trades. Let me say this, Dad. Uh, the NBA draft is so hard to watch. Uh, you know what players getting drafted, but you have no clue what team he's going to. All these trades happening. And for whatever reason, the NBA doesn't make it obvious. Now, ESPN did a pretty good job of posting the team next to the pick and saying traded to or proposed trade to, whatever. But the commissioner just getting up and announcing it, giving him the hat to the team he's not going to, makes zero sense to me. I just don't understand why they don't streamline that and make it uh, a little bit more uh, consumer-friendly, I guess would be the word to use uh, for it. But nonetheless, 
that's the way we we sit. Um, two Kentucky guys drafted. If you count Shaden Sharp as a Kentucky guy, Shaden Sharp in my eyes is not a Kentucky guy, but nonetheless, he went to Portland, and then Ty Ty Washington drops to the bottom of the first round, going to Houston. Ty Ty Washington will be a very good NBA player. You will know his name as you know many other Kentucky people's names who didn't have great Kentucky careers, but end up having good. NBA careers. So there is that as well. Anything specifically, I know we're going to talk about Jaden Ivey in a second, but anything stand out to you from the NBA draft? Anything that caught your eye? No, as I was thinking about, like you said, you know, it is confusing to know, you know, who goes where. Um, To me, and I don't know if you'd agree with this or not, but one thing is the NBA draft, uh, to me, kind of uh, how it goes and how these guys do in the first year probably affects, you know, college basketball. In other words, you know, are, how, are guys successful to go to college, just be there one year, and, you know, can they be the superstar they want to be? Now that you have some players that are staying for a few years, you know, do, do, how much do you think the draft is still shaping how college basketball works, or is it just kind of a done deal now with one? Because one and done was a big thing a few years ago, but now there are a few more people staying. And, um, do, you know, how, how, do you think the draft still, is still shaping how college basketball recruiting is going to go. I don't think so. I, I mean, I think it's just is what it has been. You got the G League now, so that opens the door for guys who don't want to go to college or can't because of grades go to college. Um, they get some money early on, whatever from there. I think generally speaking, it's you know you know who's going to get drafted be going into the year. <laughs> you got the, the one and done guys that you know are not going to stick around. But you've had some that have learned, um, you know, it's better for me. And now, honestly, Dad, what's striving is the NIL stuff, not the draft. Um, you know, Oscar Shibway, player of the year, he didn't go to the draft because he's going to make more money at Kentucky this year than he was going to make going into the NBA getting drafted in the second round. So he sticks around for $4 million here at the at minimum here at, in Lexington. While he could have went to the NBA, got drafted late second round and made, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, whatever it was going to be. So I think NIL is going to shape it a lot more and might actually help keep kids in college. Um, you're you're still your maybe slightly above average players. Your great players are gone as soon as they can be gone. But your other guys that are not guaranteed first round picks, they're going to be more apt to stick around for a while. But there were several guys that came back uh, last year and entered the draft this year, ended up going second round or ended up not even getting drafted. Um, but it was still – their time to leave college. It's kind of the way it's the viewed. You can't stick around for four years. So you got to leave early uh, nonetheless. So uh, I don't think the draft is shaping much of anything more so than the money is that you can make now in college versus what you could have made in the past. So now it opens the door to stick around a little longer in college versus go to the NBA, which might be a positive of the NIL that, you know, I've not been super positive on NIL other than the players getting paid. I don't think it helps the sport a whole lot, but maybe in this area it does help college basketball. Yes, and 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 I think part of staying in college um, is probably not so much their basketball ability, um, maybe as their maturity. Um, you know, being able to stay for two years um, or or more 
um, may help them mature, you know, rather than being launched out in the pro sector, you know, awfully young and with an awful lot of money. Uh, even though they're making money in college, I think far as their um, the control of them is probably a little greater when they're in college than it would be on the pro level. So, um, yeah, we'll just see how that ends up. At Kentucky, they've done a good job um, with teaching the guys those things. So I don't know what classes they go to, but I know that they get training on finances. And I'm assuming they're getting credit for this. Um, but they've, they've got people who are teaching them, hey, when you come into millions of dollars, here's what you got to watch out for. And so they're, Kentucky's done a great job at that. I don't know. I would assume Duke, Kansas, Carolina, those kinds of schools are doing similar stuff. But I only hear about it because I'm here in Lexington. So Coach Cal, he's a horrible basketball coach. He's a great recruiter, and he does a great job with the kids, um, preparing them for that next level. So uh, when it comes down to it, I would, like I said, I would assume the big schools are all doing this kind of stuff, but I know for sure Kentucky has done a phenomenal job of getting these guys ready for what comes next um, In you know when it all comes down to it and everything there. Uh, Jaden Ivey goes number five to Detroit. Uh, really cool story at his in, uh, press conference, introductory press conference. They handed him jerseys from his grandfather, his mother, and his father. His mother played WNBA ball in Detroit. His grandfather played for the Lions. And his dad, I believe it was a high school jersey they gave him. So I guess his dad's from Detroit as well. Uh, but really cool story. Jaden Ivey's there in Detroit. Detroit, not a good team. Uh, but they've you know they've made some good draft moves here recently. And maybe they'll turn things around here pretty quickly. Uh, as well there. That's going to be interesting, I think, to see which of these bad teams gets turned around quickly, um, if any, as well. Then uh, the other thing that happened over the weekend that's of note is uh, the Charlotte Hornets. They were without a coach. Um, they're one in Kenny Atkinson, who just decided to stay in Golden State as an assistant. There was rumor that Mike D'Antoni was going to be the guy. Well, they announced this week that they are bringing back uh, for a second time, Steve Clifford. Steve Clifford was their head coach and uh, was left in 2018 for Orlando. And now they bring him back. How often do we see a guy? I remember um, there was the uh, uh, Paul Silas, I think, did this. But I could be wrong. It may have been different teams. But I was thinking Paul Silas returned to a team that he coached in the past. Now Steve Clifford does it, you know, how is that going to work? <laughs> is, that the, is that all they could come up with? I mean, I, I know you don't know much about Steve Clifford probably, but uh, an interesting move to say the least by the Hornets. Yes, it is. And I think, you know, I've heard talk about, and maybe we even talked about it too. Um, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, by far the greatest player I think of all time, but um you know, is this really working well for him to run the team? Um, now, you know, he has a good relationship with Clifford, and I read where they've got a lot of young players, and this is a guy that will really fit well. Obviously, to me, it's always a question mark when you try to get somebody else and it looks like you've got them and then they don't come. And to me, it always gets a little awkward. Sometimes it works fine. You know, the next guy turns out great, but um, that's always a little funny when, you know, you spend time and do research and then all of a sudden that guy doesn't come. Um, you know, I mean, Michael Jordan, I don't think will ever be under real scrutiny, but I think, you know, um, it'd be interesting to see if he can get things turned around there in Charlotte. Yeah. I mean, they've got to decide, they've got a player they need to resign. Uh, New York Knicks are interested in, so there's going to be some financial things that they're going to have to decide on. 
if and that'll depend a little bit on how well their future is. <laughs> but uh, bring it, and I, I think Clifford's a decent coach, and uh, he's a better coach than me. So, uh, you know, that being said, it's just an odd move. It seems like um, going back to the well, so to say, for Steve Clifford uh, there. Uh, does pedigree matter? Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, they go out and draft Christie, whose dad played for Sacramento. Then they sign Pippen and O'Neal. So Scotty Pippen Jr. and Sharif O'Neal to the team. So that's three guys whose dads played in the NBA. Um, you know, it's funny. I was watching a baseball game yesterday, Toronto, Milwaukee, and you see all these guys from Toronto whose dads played in the league and uh, Biggio and Guerrero and Bichette. And uh, so you're sitting there going, uh, you know, hey, they've made it. Well, now you got guys in the NBA. Scotty Pippen's son, you know, did decent in college, pretty decent, but not good enough to get drafted. Sharif O'Neal transferred and, you know, ended up now here. Christie, I like Christie, by the way. On my NBA preview, I mentioned Christie as a guy who'd be underdrafted, that people will go back and regret not picking him earlier. I still stick to that. So does pedigree matter? Is this a, is this a good move for Los Angeles to go out and get these guys whose dads all had really good NBA careers? Um, as far as actual basketball ability, um, I don't think it probably does matter a whole lot. I think in some sports it can um, because, you know, again, they've grown up with it. Um, they know the situation, but again, basketball, I think it's more on their ability. I don't know that this means they will be great players. They may be, um, you know, the Lakers, you could say, well, that makes some sense, you know, um, in public opinion, but the Lakers, they don't need any more publicity. I mean, you know, well, they're the Lakers, and they're and they are a mess. And I don't think just you know signing guys whose dads played are going to correct that situation. They're going to have to be better on the basketball court. And um, as far like I said, I, you know, in some sports, I think maybe it could affect a little bit because of their um, you know their dad's influence knowing how to be a pro, knowing how to do things. Um, but I, I don't know that it makes as much difference in the NBA. Golden State just won the NBA Finals. Clay Thompson's dad played in the league. Steph Curry's dad played in the league. Gary Payton, the second's dad, played in the league, or the third, or whatever he is. Gary Payton Jr., Gary Payton third, whatever he is. His dad played in the league, and they won the national title. So maybe the Lakers, maybe the Lakers are thinking, hey, let's follow that path. And add those guys to LeBron James and Anthony Davis and see if it gets us anywhere uh, moving forward from there. Let's move on to Major League Baseball. Uh, the news came out this week. Mark Apple, Apple, I forget how you say his last name. I apologize. Getting his first call up to the league. Uh, he's a 30-year-old now. He was the number one overall pick in 2013 by the Astros. Uh, he was an All-American at Stanford. He got traded to the Phillies in 2015 and announced in 2018 that he wasn't going to play baseball anymore. Then 2021 decided to come back, and now he gets the call up and the opportunity to go play baseball. He's ecstatic about the opportunity. Just kind of a neat story in the middle of the Major League Baseball season when there's a lot of injuries and things going on for this opportunity, especially when you probably thought it was over. And, Dan, you knew a guy, and I met him as well, 
uh, played in the minors for many, many years. And I, you know, I think he got called up maybe once or twice, but he had injury issues and it kind of kept never just really worked out for him uh, to have a legit opportunity in the majors. So you kind of have talked with him in the past to kind of know the frustration that lies with trying to make it to that next level in baseball. All right, we're having delay issues with Tad, and he's going to kick up here in just a second. But um, <laughs> uh, yes, um, again, it's, you know, like I said, it's. I'm going to take that off so you guys can bear with us for just a second, and uh, we're going to get Dad fixed on his audio end here in just a second. But yeah, Dan, Dad, and I we got a chance to know um, John. Was it John Flynn? Now I have to wait till Dad gets back on the. Um, but uh, in the minors and and just uh, constantly battling through different injury issues and uh, and trying to get to the league and having so many issues in doing so and it's like just one of those things where you you've got to be patient but you also kind of have to do your own thing to try to figure out how to how to get it there and take advantage of the opportunities you do have. And it's just not an easy thing for players to do, especially talking about a lifelong dream of, uh, of playing in, in the major leagues and being that close, being in triple a and being that close uh, for so long and never really getting that, that opportunity. So it's neat to see uh, uh, Mark here, have get his chance and his opportunity to, to be in the major leagues and uh, to get a shot, even if it's probably not long-term, I'd be a little surprised if he lasts, uh, you know, long-term from there. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I'll be, I'll, I'll, to see how it goes, I'm working on getting dad back up here. And we'll see if we get that going for you guys. Sorry for that uh, lag there. We've reached out to our, host here to let them know that we have this issue and they said there's nothing they can do about it so we we fight on fight on through it all the uh the blessings and the curses of technology uh for sure uh major league baseball while we're working on getting dad back up uh, a lot of things going on in the league again tons of injuries right now a lot of stuff happening where pitchers are out for long periods of time hitters going down of course as well so uh, a lot of people fighting through some different injuries. Freddie Freeman had his return to Atlanta, which was a, f- uh, a fun uh, intro to see that happening. Uh, Bryce Harper gets hit in the hand, broken thumb. He's out indefinitely. Uh, Flaherty from the Cardinals, he had to leave his start early as well. And uh, Wander Franco finally makes his return after missing 23 games. Uh, on the injured list as well. I think we got Dad back with us. Let's bring him back in. All right, Dad, we got you back. So we didn't hear anything that you had to say about Flynn. Is it John Flynn? I, I kept forgetting his name. Yeah, John yeah. Finn. John, Finn. John, yeah. yeah, John Finn. He was an All-American at Arizona State and uh, was a great prospect. Uh, he's with Milwaukee and was ready to 
Um, at the end of the uh, spring training, they had everything set for a trade to the A's, and um, he shattered his finger in the last preseason game, and that set him back, and then he had a, a good career with uh, Nashville there at the Brewers, and was able to, um, was just about ready to go up again, and had an accident, uh, I think it was at a game when we were there, on a minor league game, actually, and um, he's a little older then, so it was near the end of his career so um yeah it's you know and i've been around a little bit with athletes in different sports and you know it's amazing the people with great talent that you know just slip through the cracks don't make it for a lot of different reasons so um yeah it's great when a minor league ball player can stay with it and um and and be able to get the opportunity yeah we had a guy on one of our early episodes of the sports show podcast we had a guy kelby tomlinson on who played in the majors uh, for San Francisco and was kind of in and out of the majors a little bit. He was kind of the utility guy for San Francisco for a year. Uh, I was with the Rockies, a couple different organizations, and a great great conversation with him to kind of hear some of those uh, stories about coming up and different things like that as well. But it's definitely hard. Um, let's talk uh, Cleveland Guardians. Going into the season, I didn't think we'd be talking a whole lot about the Cleveland Guardians. But, Dad, they have fought their way to the top of the AL Central. They were tied – uh, at one point with Minnesota, they are back behind Minnesota now, uh, but they're right there at the top of the AL Central, and they just kind of keep on fighting. Are the Guardians for real? Are they going to legit be a threat in the AL Central, or are they going to maybe come back down to earth? Um, I think they'll be a threat all year long. It looks like it. You know, they 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 have a good team. They have some, you know, some good players, some star players, and um, I think. I, I wouldn't see why they couldn't battle with Minnesota. And again, you know, the White Sox may get back in this too, but I would think it looks like Cleveland Guardians could stay right in the hunt all year. Uh, yeah, I'm just really surprised by it. Of course, we've both talked about Chicago White Sox and their disappointing years so far. They really need to fire their manager, uh, Tony LaRusso. Whether or not they will is yet to be seen. Seattle, another disappointing team we've talked about several times. Texas is fighting their way up. They're currently second. In the American League West, the Angels are currently fourth in the American League West, which is absolutely crazy. Boston back up into second in the East, uh, Toronto third, and Tampa fourth. In the America, or the National League, Atlanta is climbing closer to the Mets. Of course, the Mets still have injury issues. Now Atlanta has injury issues as well. So we'll see how that one shakes out. Milwaukee and St. Louis tied in the Central. And then uh, San Diego, one game back on the Dodgers. Dad, I, San Diego being able to stay in it right now with the Dodgers is a little surprising to me uh, just because of the injury issues they've had. And uh, they're right there. San Diego, if they're healthy, are they the best team in the West? Um, I, they very well could be. You know, they I think they underachieved last year. And like I said, even though they've had injury issues, we know they're a good team. And I think that West will be a, a, a dogfight right to the end. And, again, I still feel like um, two wildcard teams could come out of the West. Uh, NHL Stanley Cup, Dad, we uh, are still going. The Lightning won the last game, able to pull it off. Colorado still leads the series 3-2. They play here in a couple hours. Uh, we're doing this show on Sunday afternoon. So, uh, they're coming up here at 8 o'clock tonight, and Colorado had a chance to close it out in Game 5 and didn't do it. Are the Lightning going to push it to Game 7? 
Uh, yes, I think they will because it's in Tampa. Um, you know, I think I said at the start of this that it'd be Colorado and seven, and it looks that way. I did think they could close it out a little quicker and could have closed it out at home. But Tampa's very good at home, and Tampa's very experienced. I would not be shocked at all if this doesn't go to game seven in Colorado, and I do think the Avalanche could win it there. All right. Well, that'll be interesting to see how that one shakes out. Then the last thing I've got, Dad, is the NASCAR Cup Series returns to Nashville. Uh, they're getting ready to race here in under an hour from the time that we're, we're doing this show. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching it. Um, I'm excited to see. Again, I don't live in Nashville anymore, in that area anymore, but I uh, still always consider Middle Tennessee kind of home. So uh, excited to see the Cup Series back there in Nashville racing. Of course, Dale Jr., a big part of, of working his way uh, getting NASCAR more active in Nashville again. Uh, this track's been around for, what, 15 years or so, and uh, finally getting some good use out of it. Yes, yeah, it's been around, and it's set vacant for a while, and then was used a lot. Uh, I know it was used a lot for testing in the past. It was a concrete track. I assume maybe it still is. I don't know uh, from there. And um, Nashville, of course, is, you know, we were, we lived there for a long time and it's a huge NASCAR area, no doubt about it. And uh, they used to have, I, they haven't had a cup race in Nashville, you know, in a long, long time, definitely never at this track. They had uh, the second series, which was the Bush series. They had races there with that. Um, so I'm sure there was a massive excitement back in the Nashville area. And again, you know, Nashville's an area that draws so many visitors and people want to go there. Um, you know, we've talked about baseball going to Nashville and definitely with NASCAR. I mean, it's a trip, you know, no doubt fans would make um, just to be able to go to Nashville for the weekend and then have the race. So I'm sure it's big for the area and uh, good for Nashville and good for NASCAR. I agree to all of that. Uh, all right. Well, that's my full list of things to talk about today. You got anything else you want to talk about before we head out? No, I, I think we covered a lot, and I think that's you know that's good. We'll see what happens this week at the NFL and different things, and uh, you know we keep thinking, well, boy, it's kind of a dead time, and who knows? And a couple shows next week, we'll have lots of stuff to talk about. Yes, sir. We'll get our college preview, NFL, our NCAA college football preview going here pretty soon as well. So stay tuned for all that information. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sports Stove. We'll give you all the latest uh, news and updates on the show and what we're doing. Go visit InTheClutch.com. Use code Sports Stove for 10% off your purchase. And use the exclusive Elementor link in the YouTube notes or the podcast description uh, and uh, find out more about how Elementor can help you get a professional website for affordable cost. We'll be back uh, Tuesday evening is the plan for another live show, and that'll be available for you on Wednesday for uh, audio podcasts and Belly Up TV as well. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Sports Stove Podcast. Until next time, we'll see you around the Sports Stove.